Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 35th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. Made. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with me today. We're going to uh, preview Carolina's front court um, as we're now just less than two weeks away from the start of the college basketball season. We're going to preview the front court this week. The backcourt next week, and then, of course, we'll be ready to get ready for the upcoming season. Carolina had their secret scrimmage over the weekend against Florida. We got some notes coming out from that, and we got some closing notes that will wrap up the end of the show. But before we do any of that, we start as we do every episode with the pod thought of the day. Today, we got a great one. We go back to old Roy Williams, the former head coach of Carolina basketball who once said, uh, the man on top of the mountain. Well, he didn't fall there. And uh, <laughs> I see, I told you. I like that one. I, I told that's you you were going to like that that's one. That's a good one. Um, that was That's probably one that we'll see on Sean May's Instagram or something later down the season. Um, but, you know, you guys you guys get the, the, the image. To get to the top, you got to work to get to the top. Carolina's got a lot of work to get the top of the ACC and of the entire college basketball world somewhere they haven't been. And now what's been a now what feels like a long four years dating back to that 2017 national championship season. Mentioned Carolina had the secret scrimmage over the weekend in Gainesville. I believe every time Carolina has held the secret scrimmage, they have gone on the road to hold the secret scrimmage. Um, I know in the past they have gone to Villanova. Um, Last year, of course, no secret scrimmage because of COVID. Um, This year in Gainesville, and they do that because they have the exhibition, which is always at home against usually an in-state opponent from North Carolina, where usually the majority of the funds and proceeds, Carolina actually gives back to that smaller non-conference school. So nothing surprising for Carolina going on the road. Florida, if you remember last year, this was a team that uh, made the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. They did get upset by Oral Roberts while they were on their magical run to the Sweet 16. 
Mike White has done a pretty decent job since taking over that program since Billy Donovan left for the NBA. He has made an Elite Eight during his time as the Gators head coach. Um, not a whole lot of stats coming out of this on the Florida side of things, which, of course, we don't really care about because we're a Tar Heel podcast. The unconfirmed stats from everything that we have seen was Carolina won the scrimmage 94 to 79 this wasn't a standard 40 minute scrimmage it was it was a lot of what you're going to see in a game situation but they also did situational basketball in the last ends of the halves and stuff like that but it's nice to see Carolina having that type of performance against an opponent the unconfirmed statistics from the uh, from the scrimmage, Armando Baycott led the way, 20 points, 13 rebounds. Brady Manick added 14 points and nine boards. Kerwin Walton, 14 points, four rebounds. Caleb Love, 13 points, four rebounds, four assists. There were no official three-point stats or free throw stats made available. Dawson Garcia did not play in the scrimmage. The one thing that helps all of this is that the basketball account did release uh, scrimmage highlights from what happened in Gainesville, four minutes worth of, of on-court action, and you got to see a lot of what you're gonna, what we hope to see Carolina do um, in the in the regular season. You saw Armando Baycott not only take but make a three-pointer. You saw uh, a lot of times. Uh, Baycott and Manic on the floor at the same times with neither one of them in the paint. You saw the lineup of Kerwin Walton, Caleb Love, and R.J. Davis all on the court at the same time. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I took away from the video is the biggest thing I'm going to harp on all off se- or uh, as I've harped on all off season and will during the season. I don't care. I don't care how well you shoot the ball. I don't care how well you protect the ball. If you can't rebound the ball, you're not going very far. On, in the scrimmage and the highlights that the program put out, oh, they rebounded the ball. And the stats that were released with Baycott 13 and Manic 9, they lead you to believe that the rebounding emphasis that was so important under Roy Williams that I hold near and dear to my heart today is still a big part of this program moving forward in this new era of offensive basketball in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's it's tough to tell exactly – how everything went in this because yeah the highlights that are going to get released are going to be positive highlights as well you're not going to put out a negative highlight of a guy getting beat for a rebound or something like that but I mean you're right I mean these these are definitely encouraging I think more so for Manic in the rebounding department because I think that was one of the questions that you had with this front court is who outside of Armando Baycott is going to step up and be able to rebound the ball at a high level um, I, you know, guy I thought was probably Garcia, but we didn't get to see him in this game or in this scrimmage, uh, which I've seen some people talking about it. Again, don't know what exactly it was, but I, a lot of people are saying the same thing, that it was some sort of illness. So that could be COVID-19 related. It could not be. But basically, here's the thing. If you're sick, they are not going to put you out there no matter if – it's co- if it's COVID related or not. So in a case like this, you're playing a preseason scrimmage. If you're not 100%, you're not going to be out there. Um, but I think the thing to note is that it's it's not it doesn't appear to be something serious. But that gave you a better look at at, at this group. And I mean, yeah, you look at the guys that led this team in scoring. Yeah, I mean the three guy or the four guys that we see here that are that that we that you wrote down and you talked about 
those are four guys that could very well make up four of the starting positions in the starting lineup. It's about trying to figure out, you know, is, is Kerwin Walton going to be on the floor as a starter? And if he is, is he going to be at the three or the two? And, I mean, at this point, I mean, you see those numbers, you're thinking this guy's got to be out there, right? I mean, he's probably your best three-point shooter. That's an element of the game that I think Carolina wants to improve in because really outside of him last year, there was nobody that was consistent in that department. So I think it's big to see you know him, him playing well, Caleb Love playing relatively well. Um you know, again, four assists, you'd probably like to see him share the ball more, and I think that that'll probably be something that we'll see a little bit more of in the regular season. That was one of the things that you needed to see more of from the guards this season. Uh, the assist numbers for the guards last year were very, very low for Atario basketball team. So you'll hope to see more of that. But, yeah, I mean, overall, just looking at the highlights, looking at you know what you saw from the statistics, I definitely think that there's, there's reasons to be excited about where this team is going because you're seeing a more modern approach. You're seeing things that are different as opposed to – I think what a lot of people thought we would see is, hey, they're going to talk about a lot of different stuff, but it's going to take them a lot of time to implement this stuff. It doesn't really seem like it has. It seems like they've thrown a bunch of new stuff at these guys, and even just from watching them you know, it, the, last week at late night in the scrimmage and then seeing some of the highlights that we saw here, it looks like they're picking some of this stuff up pretty quickly. And even a guy like Armando Baycott, who I think we were kind of wondering how quickly would he adjust, he seems to be doing so pretty quickly. There shouldn't been a delay in adjusting because every move that is being made is to benefit them. And it's not overly complicated. It is just more general floor spacing. What can you do in a one-on-one? And then really what it comes down to when you want to play the way that the game is played now is you got to be good shot makers. You've got to – and when I say that is you got to be able to take tough shots and make tough shots. Just because you open the floor and you want to shoot the three ball more doesn't mean they're going to be easy looks. They're going to be teams that can defend the three ball very well. You're going to see it within the ACC. You're going to see it against Purdue, Villanova, Tennessee, Michigan. You're going to see teams that can still defend very well. The problem with Carolina shooting the last couple of years wasn't just the fact that they couldn't shoot the ball. And that was a lot. That was a big part of it. They didn't have tough shot makers. What did you have with Marcus Page and Joel Berry? Cole Anthony was a good, tough shot maker, I thought. But those guys could take and, and, and make tough shots. You saw a lot of contested shots in the scrimmage of the highlights that they that they released. Carolina just made them. And that's just more work in the gym, more, more routine, getting those shots up, because it's going to translate over into the games. And so... You know, I, I I know they've thrown a lot at them, but these guys have great. They they got high basketball IQs. They should be able to pick this stuff up, and it's it's good to see them doing that. It also shows you how coachable these kids are, how the staff has been able to communicate to them. Uh, that was one thing I really the one thing I enjoyed the most was you could hear our bench cheering, and maybe they muted Florida's bench and all that. Who really cares about that? But the energy on the bench is back, and that's something that that hasn't been there these last couple years, and that's a big part of what Carolina basketball was under Dean Smith, and it got lost under Roy Williams. 
I, to a certain extent, I mean, last year, look, it was hard for a lot of those guys to be connected with each other because you simply weren't around each other. And you're talking about Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Dayron Sharp, Walker Kessler. These were huge guys for you, main guys in the rotation that were not around each other for the entire year. Like, we're, we're not just talking they weren't around each other all, you know, in terms of just, oh, well, they weren't able to hang out that much during the season. No, these dudes literally were not allowed to be in the same room as each other for most of last year outside of practice. And remember that even practice, I mean, in the summer, it was not a normal summer schedule. Basically, the first time that you took the court together was when you came in and started practice before the season. So... I, I mean, that was just so unorthodox. But, yeah, I mean, you you even saw it, it back in 2019. The energy just really wasn't there. And I think that's why, you know, it, it's not only the, the, the type of players that you recruit in terms of their skill set. You need guys that have that sort of vocal presence on the bench, a la Theo Pinson. I mean, we joke around about how important he was for the Knicks. I'm going to tell you, the Knicks start losing games left and right here. We better get Theo Pinson back on the bench. You need those energy guys, those guys that stand out and seem like the sort of the coaches on the sideline that try to keep everybody hyped. And yeah, this seems, just from seeing them the other night at, at at late night, it looks like a relatively closely knit group. And that's that's something that should be very encouraging for Carolina fans to see. And honestly, is kind of a little bit surprising because you did bring in two transfers. You do have a couple of new freshmen that are coming in. And you are coming off a COVID season where guys weren't able to be as close to each other. But here's what I think that shows. That is a huge credit to Hubert Davis, and I think that's something that a lot of Tar Heel fans should be excited about going forward, that this guy, having been a player at Carolina and been you know, through the NBA and everything like that, where he's probably had to meet new teammates year in and year out and learn how to bond with these guys, I think that's a new mindset that's coming in, and, and, and I think it's rubbing off very well. Yeah, I think, I think the staff's done a really good job. I think the team, I think the team's ready to go. I think and I and I think I think they're ready to play because you 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 got the preseason rankings last weekend. You 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 were told what they think of you. The 19th best team in the country, I think Carolina's better than that. Third third team in the ACC, I think Carolina's better than that. And I think they're ready to go improve that. We're going to find out kind of quickly how good they are, but I do think this team is ready to go. Of course, Carolina will have the exhibition the Friday before the regular season starts. That'll be in the Smith Center um, against Elizabeth City State or one of those small schools. Um, if you can't no, you make, got it right. Yeah, yeah, if you can't make it, it will be uh, streamed on ACC Network Extra. As I mentioned, we are previewing the front court today, and it's a new look front court for Carolina basketball. No Garrison Brooks back for a super senior year. He's at Mississippi State. Walker Kessler uh, transferred to Auburn. 
Dayron Sharp is off to the NBA. Of course, you lost uh, Walker Miller as well in, in the offseason. So Carolina had to revamp. They've added some pieces like Brady Manick, like Dawson Garcia, and Justin McCoy. But the front court, the way that I have it listed, and what I I think we'll see from the front court this year, is Armando Baycott. He's your here's your returning leading scorer and rebounder from last season. As Isaac Shade mentioned on the pod, the last session of the pod, his 12.3 point per game scoring average, which led the team in for the the Tar Heels last year, the lowest point average to lead a Carolina basketball team in scoring in the history of the program. Brady Manick, of course, a transfer from Oklahoma, all-time leader in Big 12 history for made three-pointers by a player 6'10 or taller. You saw a couple made threes in the scrimmage highlights. Dawson Garcia, transfer from from Marquette, scored 24 points and 11 rebounds last year in Chapel Hill when Marquette upset Carolina, was also named to the Big East All-Freshman team. Leaky Black, he's returning for his senior season, believe it or not, at Carolina. Carolina also added Justin McCoy via the portal. Um, he transferred in from ACC rival Virginia. You got Donovan Puff Johnson, who missed a lot of his time last year due to a COVID issue and then a, an injury on his foot that caused him to miss most of the season. And then you got Dontres Styles, who, of course, is coming in as an incoming freshman, and you could see him play in the front court a little bit depending on depth situations and stuff like that. A lot's been made about Carolina in the backcourt. A lot. And I think justifiably so, because we're expecting the guards to take the next step. But I think it all comes back to Carolina in the front court. This They're going to go as far as Baycott, Manic, Garcia, and company take them. Yeah, by the way, disrespecting our guys, uh, Ryan McAdoo and Dewey Ferris, who are also in the front court as well. If Those we are guys have to that will see be them play legitimate minutes, the pod will be shut down for an extended period of time. All I'm saying is that they are a part of that group. Now, I did say to you earlier that if Dawson Garcia was to go down, th- this is this is one of the issues with this group, though. If there was to be one especially two injuries. They're thin. They are very, very thin. It's, it's That's even... the one thing that scares me. Also, Besides the fact that really when Baycott comes out, who is your five guy? I would assume you're probably you're rolling put, with Garcia. You're put Garcia there. The, the big, right. It's not even the injuries. Foul tr- what? When they yep. get in foul trouble, how Hubert Davis handles that is going to be – probably one of the most talented because there's going to be a game where Baycott picks up two fouls for the other 16 timeout okay well you got to take him out because you can't just you can't risk him getting three fouls because then he's on the bench the rest of the first half can't do that right but when that happens what how do you respond to that do you I to me I don't see a lot of Manic and Garcia on the floor at the same time I think it's one or the other so then you're platooning three guards and then either Leaky Black or Justin McCoy at the four spot. Mm. So th- that's that's going to be th- – I, I don't know. That, that's going to be the trickiest thing he's going to have to probably juggle all season long. I, I think there will definitely be moments where you will see Garcia and Manic out there. I don't think you're really going to have if much Baycott's of a choice. If Baycott's not in foul trouble. If, if Baycott's in foul trouble and he's got to sit on the bench for two TV timeouts, you can't have them both on the floor at the same time. 
You can't. I mean, you kind of you kind of have no choice. I think what you'd you have can't to get them both in foul trouble at well, the same but time. You you your guys just have to play smart because look, the the drop off is going to be there. Look, I, I I'm going to tell you, I like what I've seen from Justin McCoy. I think there's a lot of potential there. I don't think look. Last time Carolina went and got an ACC guy to transfer in, that worked out pretty well. I don't think it's going to work out that well immediately, but I think there's 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 something here with McCoy. I, I definitely think he fits this system well. I think there's talent there, and I think that he will I, – I really think he'll have a chance to have an impact, but I don't know if he's a guy that you're going to say to yourself, we he, he's got to be ready to play – 20 to 22 minutes again. I don't I don't see him in that role. Yet. Uh he better be. What you you made it a point when he entered the portal. Now granted, a lot of it was because Sheber Davis had the established relationship as his primary recruiter when Carolina recruited him. You you better have recruited him understanding we got to have him ready to play significant minutes because there's going to be games. He's got to play significant minutes. I don't think he plays more than Leaky Black does. I think Leaky would be the preferred versatile option over him. That's just me thinking about the fact that Leaky has been at Carolina for as long as he has and the fact that you've got a guy coming out of Virginia and Justin McCoy who really didn't do much there. Now I'm hope look, I hope he comes out and lights it up. I think and again, there's potential there. But if I'm looking at how this this works right now, I feel like you are heavily relying in your front court on Baycott, Manic, and Garcia. With, you know, Leaky Black being kind of see that's that's where it's weird, because I, I, I almost separate it now into front court, wing, backcourt. But I mean, with with Leaky, see, I think Kerwin Walton's going to play a lot of three. I think he's going to play a lot of three. If he can defend. So, I, I think that then, you know, that's that's going to sort of move Leaky into that, that backup three and potentially that four when they need him if they want to go small. And I think he's going to be that preferred four small guy over Justin McCoy, it's, but it's, I could be wrong. It's not if they want to go small; it's when they want to go right, small. Right, right. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's they're definitely going to gonna play happen. small ball lineup every game. There will be a game, or there will be a, a a point in the game every 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 game. It don't matter when they're playing Loyola of Maryland, when they're playing Duke and Cameron Indoor Stadium, when they're playing whoever. They're going to play small. They, he has almost told you that. We yep. are, we are going to play a small ball lineup, um, but it's how you combat that. Carolina's going to go as far as Baycott takes them. Now you need Brady Manning to be a, a contributor. You need Dawson Garcia to be a contributor. Isaac Shea believes he could be a, a one and done prospect in Chapel Hill. I don't. I, I'm not with Gar- him there. Garcia. I do think he'll be in, in Chapel Hill yeah. for two years. Yeah. But Baycott's got to have the type of season that he's capable of having. <laughs> Which I, is the best player on the floor every night. Right. And the best player in the ACC every night. Well, I think he is going to be the best player for this team. I think he's, and again, it's two scrimmages, but I think you can see that he is a guy that feels more comfortable in that role 
than it seemed like he did a year ago. There were times, especially early in the year, where, remember, Armando would just kind of disappear on the score sheet. And you would say, do we need you to step up? Because, look, Garrison did some really good things here for us. Garrison is just not – he is not that guy that is going to take over ACC games this year. He did it the previous year. I don't know what was different last year, but that there was never that moment that you said to yourself, man, Garrison Brooks looks like 2019 Garrison Brooks. He's ready to take over the game. As the year started to go along, you said to yourself, we need to see Baycott be that guy. He And towards the end of the year, you started to see it a little more consistently. Now it looks like he's ready to be that guy because I think he realizes, look, you know, Caleb Love is a good player. Caleb Love's not a superstar. He's going to need help around him. R.J. Davis is not that guy that's going to take over. Where in the past, sometimes you could look in that backcourt, like with like with Kobe White, you could look at Kobe White and say, dude, Kobe White's taking this game over. Like we don't need to have a dominant frontcourt presence each and every night because there'll be nights where Kobe White will just take over and win the game for us. The last two years, that hasn't really been the case. You've needed that guy in the front court. When they've gotten it, even at times when they've gotten it, they haven't won. Just look at some of the games from Garrison Brooks back in 2019. But they they are going to need Armando Baycott to be a guy that is going to be in the conversation for at least ACC Player of the Year. But don't sleep on Brady Manick. He's He looks up to the task. I don't think this is a guy... That's going to come in here and so you, you'll say, well, you know, he played at Oklahoma. How good really was he? This this dude, this dude can shoot the rock. There, there's a, there's some intricacies to his game that I think when you start watching him, if you haven't seen the scrimmages, you're going to like some things about him. Is he going to dominate? Probably not. But is he going to be a guy that I could see averaging 12 to 12, 13 points a game this season, yeah, I could definitely see that. The thing I like the most about him, and you saw it, and there's there's no way this isn't utilized in Carolina's offense. When Carolina had Trey Young, or when, when Oklahoma had Trey Young, he was his main screener, and they played a two-man game where if Trey Young used the screen, he used it. But if not, that ball was getting back to Manic, and Manic was popping a three. Because he has that ability to screen, pop, Hit a three-point shot. Can he roll the basket and finish? He can. Does he want to? No. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's a modern big that wants to play on the perimeter. If he's going to have any professional basketball uh, career, whether it's in the NBA or overseas, that's what they expect from you is to be able to step out and hit, and hit that three-point shot. We all worried about the rebounding and stuff like that. Just a, only averaged about six boards while he was with the Sooners. Nine rebounds. In a, I don't know if that's going to be an average. I do think he's capable of being a big-time rebounder, and Carolina needs him to be. Yeah, part of me wonders, because I, I, I'm i going to be honest with you, I saw some games from Oklahoma, but part of it I wasn't yeah, – some games weren't even intently watching because they played after Carolina played. Uh, it, do they really demand him to be like this big-time rebounder in Oklahoma? You're 6'10", you should rebound. I Naturally, mean, you would imagine if, if I – okay, let's just put it in perspective. <sighs> I averaged eight rebounds per game in Church League at 5'7". Okay, well, first of all, you were playing Fat Billy, who just got out of Sunday school. If, if, if I was 6'10", I'd be in the NBA. Okay, you, one, did not average anywhere close to eight rebounds I did. a game. The, I was a rebounding machine. Yeah, the only thing you were rebounding was the loose water cups on the sideline. 
Um, no, I did the Dennis Rodman. I re I missed on purpose to rebound my own miss to pad my I rebounding stats. I, I, now that to I, improve my overall statistics. Now that I believe, I was I trying actually to chase believe a triple that. double. I actually believe that you chach. Uh but I, I mean, I think this is the. There will definitely be more emphasis for him to rebound because here's here's the thing: if he doesn't rebound well. I mean, Dawson Garcia is talented enough where you will see your playing time given to him to a certain extent. They're still going to need you, but if, if Carroll, you don't rebound well enough, Dawson Garcia has proven, as he did in the Smith Center last year, that he can rebound well enough. So they're not going to sit back and just say, well, we're not rebounding the ball well. It, Dawson Garcia will start to see more playing time over him. That's just how that's going to work. So I think he knows that. And I think you'll see a better rebounding effort. Is he going to be great? Like, are we expecting him to be Dayron Sharp on the glass? No. But he is going to I, – I think you will see an improvement in that number I for think, sure. I think the thing – and we'll, we'll move to Garcia, um, and then we'll wrap up with the other guys. I think he's the biggest wild card of this front court. Because he's probably your most versatile. Garcia? Yeah, he yeah, can yeah, do yeah. a lot of different things. He can handle the ball. Like, legitimately handle the ball. Yep. Um, and there will be times where he will rebound and instead of outlet or instead of giving it off to Love, Davis, whoever, he will he will just simply advance the ball across the timeline. He has the ability to shoot the three-point shot. But with the ability to handle the ball, that means he can take guys off the dribble. We, we saw that last year. He has a little bit of an everything kind of offensive game from a mid-range. He's got a face-up. He's got a back-to-the-basket game. He's got a good pump fake. He can do a lot of different things well. I think the biggest thing for him is what does he do defensively? I think I think if he's coming off the bench, he can be more aggressive because I think Carolina's got to figure out a way with just really three legitimate guys that can play that five spot, how to manage the minutes, how to manage the rotation, especially when Baycott or Manic gets in foul trouble. His size and his length lends you to believe that he could be a rim protector, which when Carolina can protect the rim, they're usually a much better defensive team. Now, granted, I think we're going to be much better defending the ball than we've been in the last couple of years. That's what we're going to touch on when we preview the backcourt. But he, but he's the wild card because he can do a he's he's a unicorn. He can do a lot of different things for you. But it, it's trying don't, to figure don't out use what's that. It. I'm still hurt from Kristaps Porzingis. Dude, it's it's a great thing. it's a great analogy. It's finding out what's his. And maybe his role is going to change from game to game. But I think that's the thing. We know what we need from Baycott. We know what we need from Manic. What do we need from Dawson Garcia? I mean, he's got he's, he's to be that position versatile guy that you're hoping for. Like, that's the th- you could make an argument that every one of the three main guys that we've talked about is the most important guy to Carolina's success here. But Dawson Garcia, I mean, he's got to be right up there because, as we say, he's pretty much your backup for the five spot and the four spot. Because everything that I've seen now, I'm pretty convinced that Brady Manick's going to be the starter at the four. I, I would be very yeah. shocked if Dawson Garcia is that guy. And that's fine. I think this is a good role for him. Carolina's had guys that have played that role before down low, a la Dayron Sharp last year. Tony Bradley back in 2017 that had plenty of success in that role. So I, I definitely he's 
got to be, more often than not, he's got to be the guy that we saw in Chapel Hill last year. Maybe not to the level of 24 and 11. You'd like to see maybe some games like that from him. But you need to see a guy that can build off of what he did last year in 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 the Big East with Marquette and see him continue to take steps forward. And I, I think he will. Um, there's a lot of things to like about him. Like you said, I mean, he's a guy that is going to be able to put the ball on the floor. I mean, last year, if, if, if the bigs were putting the ball on the floor, it was usually being taken and gone, and it was going the other way. This year, that's not what he's going to bring. And I'm in certain games this year, the Duke game, that's going to be huge because he's going to probably be one of the main guys that you're going to look to match up against Paolo Banchero because he can do some things very similar to Banchero, maybe not as at as high a level coming out of high school, but that's where you're looking for him to be that guy that helps you out. He's a more modern big in the fact that he can drive the basket. I don't think he's as good of a three-point shooter as Brady Manick, but I definitely think he's got some game away from the basket as well. And he also seems, just from remembering him playing in, in Chapel Hill last year, he's a guy that's got a little bit of an edge to him. Yeah. Like, he he will get on the glass. He's not afraid to rebound. So he's – I'm going to tell you this. He will be a guy that if he can make his shots, you're going to love him. You will definitely love him because I think he's going to rebound the hell out of the basketball. It's just – how much do you see him, especially early on in the season? If I mean, because we don't, we are uncertain about what exactly is going on with them. And if if we don't see him a ton early on, what does that mean for some of these other guys? Yeah. All right, guys, we're gonna come back. We will finish previewing the front court. We'll wrap down, wrap out the show with our closing notes. But first, here is this week's ad from DraftKings. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with the promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There you go, guys. Hope you have made your way over to DraftKings Sportsbook using that promo code and making lots and lots of money on what's been an incredible, eventful um, NFL and college football season. As I mentioned, we're going to finishing. We're going to finish previewing the front court. This brings us to the biggest enigma on the team, and that's Leaky Ooh, Black. I like that word, dude. Um, entering his senior season, he hasn't lived up to the hype coming into Carolina. In the first three off seasons, when I had, whether it was Jones Angel, Adam Lucas, whoever came on the pod, and asked them, who's the guy that's going to take the next step? They were all leaky black. Leaky black. 
And it was no question. So we entered every season believing, okay, he's taking the next step. He's going to be a bigger part of what Carolina wants to do and is going to do, and it hasn't translated. Well, this offseason, because of the coaching change, I kind of phrased the question differently, and I'm still getting that same answer. Even I believe he's the player on the roster that benefits the most from Roy Wynn's retirement because of the close relationship with Hubert Davis. And I do feel like Hubert will be the one that can get the most out of him because if he can't, then maybe Leaky Black was a, wasn't as good as we thought he was going to be coming in. With all that being said, he's going to have a role on this team. There is a greater chance than not, especially in November and into early December, he could be a starter and a guy that plays regularly 22 to 30 minutes a night. But I do think this is with the way Carolina is wanting to play, his minutes will have to be earned. And I don't think he's got to shoot the three ball really, really well. I don't think he's got to score the ball all that well or at a high level. But he's got to do the things that he does well, play really, really good individual defense and team defense, be able to rebound the ball at a high level and initiate the offense to take the pressure off of Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. If he can do that, it'll be a big plus for a team that's wanting to rebound after last year's disappointing season. I mean, how many times have we looked at him and said that he needs to beat Theo Pinson? Like, this is just what you kind of need to be. Like, I'm not saying you've got to be great, but if you're open – you've got to be able to knock shots down. And I think that's really a confidence thing. It just doesn't feel like he's had it over the last couple of years. Mm. I think this scenario, though, will work for him. The fact that he will more than likely have to earn minutes this year, I think could work out well for him because I feel like in his mind – you know, things were – he was given a big role, and it might have been a little too early for him. We always knew with him, like – I, I even when you watched him in high school, you knew, like, this is not going to be a dominant scorer. This is a guy that's going to live and die by his defense, and he's a, he'll do some things on the offensive end, but you – I mean, he's really going to be the guy that you need to be your energy guy off the bench. That's the role that I think he's going to fit this year, whereas opposed to the last couple of years, he really hasn't been in that role. I mean, for crying out loud, remember two years ago, there was a time where he was this team's starting point guard. So, I mean, that that's the thing. He's been moved around. His role has changed so many times. Now, I mean, look, he'll still be seen as probably one of the leaders because he's a senior. I J, Hubert Davis will probably demand a lot out of him still, but this feels like a role where he'll he he will be more comfortable because as you mentioned, there will definitely be moments where the small ball lineup will be in effect. And he may be involved in that, he may not. We don't know, but he, he's a guy that I think he's going to know his role a little bit more this season. It's going to be more well-defined. And I think the other thing that's good for Carolina is I feel like this year you're in a much better position where if he is not as good as you are expecting him to be, it's not going to hurt you as much as it has in the past couple of years. Because especially, especially two years ago, that was devastating to Carolina when he did not turn out to be the guy that they thought was going to take that big step. Well, it's, what's really hurt Carolina has been, the, or him, and really the downfall of this program the last couple of years 
is they haven't had the they didn't have the elite wing. When you had yep. Cam Johnson and he was playing either coming off the bench or alongside Cam Johnson at that four spot, made life easier on Leaky Black. It made life easier for the team in Carolina. When Carolina has an elite wing player, they're usually a legitimate national title contender. Does Carolina have an elite wing on their team this year? I don't know, but you've got enough compliments in that backcourt and that frontcourt to where you might be able to minimize the the effect of not having a quote-unquote elite wing on that roster um, moving forward. We'll finish up with Donovan Puff Johnson and Dontrez Styles. I think whatever these two guys give you is just a plus. Mm-hmm. I think Puff is a guy that we saw last year when he was on the court – he did a lot of things that surprised me. I thought he was a very good rebounder for his size. Look, his look, his last name's Johnson. He's the brother of Cam. We know he we know he can shoot the thing. Yeah, but he's it's everything else that when he gives you, that's a plus. Hopefully he gets on the court. Same thing with Styles. He's a he's in a perfect role as a freshman. Right. Not a whole lot gonna be asked of him. He's not gonna probably gonna see regular minutes, but there will be times where Carolina's going to have to go to him because of foul trouble, issues, maybe just a matchup or something like that. I think this guy can depict can can compete on the defensive end of the court. The offense is gonna come along with them. But these are two guys that if they can just be contributors, that's gonna go a long way too. Well, first of all, with Puff, he got he's he's got to get back on the floor. He did not participate in the late night scrimmage. Not sure they didn't report if he participated in the scrimmage the other day at Florida. Um, he so he's still working back from his injury, and he's been through a lot. I mean, remember that you know even coming into last year, him. And Walker Kessler were the two dudes that were in COVID protocol. So he's never even really been able to get himself started on campus. I think because of that, he's kind of that guy that, like you said, what he gives you this year is a bonus. He's a guy that probably next year and mainly his senior year will be when he's going to give you the most that he can give you. Yep. Um, Dontre Styles, yeah. I mean, look, we saw some things when we were when we saw the late night scrimmage. There, there's there's some game there. It's there. And he, he definitely is a guy that looks motivated to come and improve himself. But again, he's in a spot that a lot of freshmen that Carolina have had in the last couple of years haven't really been in. There is enough depth around you where you don't need to come out and be a superstar. You're going to be in a relatively limited role. And here's the thing. If you shine in that limited role, you could be the next Curran Walton. But at the same time, if you are working through some things and you have to be Puff Johnson, that's fine as well. We've got guys around you that that, that will keep us in a good spot. And, and that's where you want to be as a program. That's a look at the front court this year for the Tar Heels. Next week, we will be looking at the back court um, as we continue to get you ready for the upcoming 2021 and 22 season. We're going to go ahead and wrap this edition of the Four Corners podcast up with our closing notes. Couple pods ago, we in, we announced that Carolina had two players uh, named to the NBA 75th anniversary team. That full team was unveiled. Carolina finished with four guys named to that team: Michael Jordan, James Worthy, Billy the Kangaroo Kid, Cunningham, and Bob McAdoo. The four players is the most of any college program. Should have been five. Our uh, should have been five. 
our good friends down the road had uh, zero. Um, so that was that. A lot of controversy has come out about the 75 anniversary team list. Anthony's referencing Vince Carter. Should How is he not on there over Damian Lillard? No uh, offense. I love Damian Lillard. Because Vince no. Carter was an elite dunker. Uh, he was the best in-game dunker that you've seen. Also, his numbers pretty good outside of that. He remember I didn't have a the, big issue with him not being one on of the, the main team. reasons that the Nets went to the finals back in two thousand four. They had Jason Kidd who was the point guard. I mean, but still, he was a big re- the, the numbers are there. I would put him in over him, and I would have him in over James Harden. I don't think James Harden deserves to be on this. James team. Harden's one of the top five pure scores in the history of the game. You're not taking that guy off the list. Hasn't won a title. Neither did Vince Carter. So they're in the same. I d- James Harden has been boosted by his teammates everywhere that he's played outside of Houston. He has had a ton of support around him. I don't see how you put him on this list. Him and Damian Lillard, great players right now, no doubt in my mind. I think there are other guys besides Vince Carter. By the way. <laughs> There's another guy on this list that I will not mention that many people have mentioned. I will stand for him to be on this list no matter what due to my previous history uh, of affiliation with him and with the New York Knicks. Yeah, no, I, I didn't have a Carmelo big... Anthony's got to be on. Yeah, he's a Come top on. 10 score in the history of the game. We're not taking him off the list. I didn't have a big problem with Vince also, not oh, being on the list. The other one, Paul, Paul Pierce. I mean, I guess that's because of the title. Yeah, Paul Pierce. Come the, on, man. He's one of the best 75 players to ever play in the NBA. Come on. Yes. Come on. Um, it's because we're in the preseason, a lot of watch lists have come out. We'll start with Caleb Love, who was announced with the Bob Cousy watch list. That was a few weeks ago. I failed to mention that. So strike one on me. He'll, of course, look be looking to be the fourth uh, Carolina point guard to take home that award, as that's been won by Raymond Felton, Ty Lawson, and Kendall Marshall, Dawson Garcia, was named to the Carl Malone watch list. That's the power forward watch list. Armando Baycott was named to the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar list. That, of course, is handed out to the best center in college basketball. Lastly, single-game tickets for the 2021-22 season are officially on sale. So if you're looking to make your way to Chapel Hill inside the Dean E. Smith Center and see this new-look Carolina basketball team, head over to Go Heels to buy your tickets today. That way you don't miss out on watching the eventual ACC champions play at home this season. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Before we let you go, get you guys over the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where you can expect a front court preview on the site as well. As now that we're getting closer to the season, we'll start previewing viewing the, uh, the season on both the blog and the podcast format. We'll have a backcourt and a frontcourt preview just like we're going to do here on the podcast. You can also go back and read about Carolina's ACC uh, pre, uh, preseason predictions and any other basketball content that is up there. Some also recruiting stuff has made its way up there within the last month. Football side of things, Carolina coming off a bye week. They head to Notre Dame um, to take on the Fighting Irish this Saturday night. We'll have a preview recap 
trench report and a stock report from Carolina's uh, trip to South Bend, Indiana this upcoming weekend. So we got you covered with football and basketball side of things on the Heel Tough blog. Dot com For the podcast, you can find us on every major podcasting platform, most notably um, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts. Give us a like, review me as the host, review Anthony as the co-host, but we want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. Right now, just about one, maybe two pods a week, but once that season starts, we'll be doing roughly two to three pods a week covering Carolina uh, basketball while they're on the court. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, to find the best basketball podcast.